Hello and welcome to the journalism.co.uk podcast with me, Jacob Granger. This week, we talk about crowdfunding and solutions journalism. So last year, we saw some big examples of crowdfunding success in the likes of Tertus and The Correspondent, who managed to entice people to pledge money for reimagined styles of news, I suppose you could say. But who could forget one Jody Jackson, who spoke at News & Wired last July? Jody managed to raise a little over £11,000 to publish her book, You Are What You Read, and it's a dive into solutions journalism. Uh, with that money, she is now poised to publish in a little less than three months, coming up in April. So this week, we caught up with her to find out what she's managed to capture in the book, and what her crowdfunding success suggests about the appetite for news now, and the potential of solutions-driven journalism. It highlights a lot of the often unexamined effects of the negativity bias on our mental health and on the health of our society. But then it goes on to to make a case for increasing the reporting on solutions and on progress and development as an antidote to this negativity bias. Um, And as I said, you know, it's an emerging conversation that's happening at the moment, especially within the news industry. But this book is an invitation to the consumer to be a part of that kind of revolution and helps them understand the impact that it has on them and what they can actually do about it. So for those of you familiar with solutions journalism, that would have probably made a lot of sense and perhaps even hit a few beats within your own feelings towards the news. But if you're not so familiar with solutions journalism, words like negativity bias might have thrown you through a loop. So let's put it this way, quickly. Does the sight of a negative headline cause you to immediately switch off? Does a death count on the news bulletin not hit quite as hard as it should. If so, people like Jody argue that it's not actually your fault. Because the news is so dominated by negativity and obsessed with problems, we aren't being fed a balanced diet. And as such, we are learning to be desensitised to issues. And you're not alone in feeling this way either. In fact, enough people felt strongly enough about this premise to put their money where their mouth is and pledge towards getting Jody's book onto shelves. So let's kick this off by coming back to Jody on how it all came together after the launch and some of the key themes inside You Are What You Read. When I sort of began researching this, I actually went back to university to do a master's in positive psychology to understand concepts um, like hope and optimism uh, in a way that kind of really gives them credibility because I think when you talk about being an optimist, people sort of see it as a flaw in an otherwise reasonable person. And so it's sort of actually looking at what these psychological states do for us and how they empower us and and help us um, progress individually, but as well as a society. So I delved headfirst into a century's worth of, of media research that was available about the psychological effects of the news. And I found that the excessive negativity bias, and it's really important to stress that because it's not the reporting on problems that, that creates this harmful effect on us. It's the excessive reporting on problems without a kind of balanced understanding of what's being done about them that can lead us to have an inappropriate assessment of risk. So we actually come to believe that the world is more dangerous than it is. And this gives us a fundamental inaccurate understanding of the world because our perception is actually different from reality. Then when we looked at people who uh, read and wrote about solutions journalism, it was really interesting how it created a, a better balance and perspective and actually promoted a more accurate understanding of the world. Because by having both problems and solutions, it it provides context and it helps the reader understand what the story means, its impact, 
the failings, the opportunities, our our personal proximity to it, but it uh, to it, but it also informs us on a more practical level what we can do as individuals. And this yeah. is really important, and it reduces our our level of anxiety. It increases our engagement, improves our mood, it improves our social cohesion. Um, it builds resilience and it can lead to active coping. But but as I said, you know, the most significant findings are these feelings of hope and optimism and empowerment that it actually promotes. As a concept, solutions journalism isn't entirely new. So what sort of a narrative does this book try to push then? How far has solutions journalism come? Why attitudes have changed? And does this really explain why people were so obviously ready to reach for their credit cards? I mean, I, I came into this field, as I said, about about nine or ten years ago, and it was really different. You know, there was a huge resistance. When I was speaking about solutions journalism, people often sort of greeted me with saying, you know, is that cats being saved from trees? No one's interested in that. And I think that that narrative has really changed of people actually understanding what it is and um, people being really hungry for it. You know, the BBC World Service Survey of Digital Audience found that 64% of under 35s want news programmes to show solutions to the world's problems. And in fact, that was their top content request. And it is this increase in consumer demand that's given the conversation of solutions journalism much more legitimacy within the industry itself. The, the most recent example of this hugely successful crowdfunding campaign was by The Correspondent, who raised $2.5 million um, for this um, not exclusively solutions-focused journalism, but they, they take a position on their news philosophy to, to make sure that they include it, that it's in part of the story. And people really subscribe to this. And this is why my book is aimed at the consumer, because as much as you can make the industry aware of the impact that their work has on, on the readers and on society, really, the consumers hold the power to, to sustain the change, because the consumers are the one who engage with the product, who pay for the product, and, and without them, the news has no product. You know, if we're not paying for content, somebody else is. Advertisers, corporations, people who have a vested interest in publicising certain stories. We need to be the ones paying for content. We need to value the information that's given to us. Um, and we need to support journalism that speaks to those values. But Jodie reaches for one particular example to show the effects solutions journalism and I suppose you would call it problems journalism can have on a huge news story and its physical impact in the real world. One example is in 2014 with the Ebola outbreak. Most news organisations flooded the public with information that focused on the thousands of deaths in Liberia, in Guinea and in Sierra Leone. But very, very few reported on how countries like Mali, Senegal and Nigeria contained fewer than 30 Ebola cases collectively. And, and followed up with what we could learn from them. And it's this imbalance that creates a distorted understanding of the threat. And public health experts have since said that the way in which the news was reported actually caused more deaths because of the inflamed sense of panic combined with the inaccurate information. This made it more difficult to solve the problem at a ground level. So to really get down to the point at hand, we try to boil down exactly where solutions journalism fits in with the current model of news, because solutions journalism is so often seen as a news category or a niche or something on the side. But does that perception need to change? If we're looking at a problem, it's a logical next step to say, well, what's being done about it? You know, the problem isn't the end of the story. It's not that we're made aware of climate change and that is the full stop on climate change. We can then look at 
what's being done about it. And we can ask questions then when we start looking at these solutions, like, is it working? How is it being done? What are the limitations? Is it scalable? Can we learn anything from the solutions being implemented? Are they failing? If so, what's the problem? And, and actually exposing solutions in this way can help journalists fulfill you know, their, their important objectives. So for example, it can actually lead to more accountability, not less, because if people believe that a problem is inevitable and unavoidable, we come to this level-headed acceptance of them. But actually, if we learn about how a solution's being implemented to address it, and it's successful, even partially successful, then it makes it become unacceptable and avoidable. And this puts pressure on, on public officials or organisations or even individuals to respond to these same problems in their own community. So when you sort of say, you know, how does it feature, it would be reported on as it naturally occurs in the world. You know, the, the journalist's role is to hold a mirror to society and reflect it as it exists and solutions are happening. And if we're not told about those stories, we're actually denying ourselves the opportunity to really, truly be informed on the world. Jody is less sold on the idea that people are simply fed up with the state of news, but she does suggest that trust is a factor here, highlighting quite aptly that you are what you read. The relentless, argumentative, adversarial approach that they take to all institutions definitely erodes our trust in them and why wouldn't it because if we're constantly told about failings problems corruption scandal you know that that becomes the lens in which we view the world and the lens in which we view these institutions and our very social fabric depends on having this kind of organization within society and so actually you know journalists without without putting the the balance on and, and showing what's working and creating this trust not manufactured sense but genuine reporting on things that really are working could actually help restore faith in a lot of the things that i think everybody's become slightly disenfranchised by uh, the media institution itself with with trust in the news being at an all-time low as well thinking then again about its role and about stepping outside of its niche actually kicking on from here jody makes an interesting point that the key target for news organizations should be avoiding the kitchen sink approach Instead, they should attempt to even the scales between problems and solutions. You know, when, when you talk about solutions versus problems, it, it creates a kind of, you know, which, which is better. I think for solutions journalism really to thrive in news organisations and step outside of its niche and become mainstream, we really have to abandon that kind of competitive language. You know, they are interdependent problems and solutions and so we need to actually rather than forcing them to compete we have to allow them to coexist um, and I think you know when we're there's no denying that having a news industry that asks the challenging questions highlights failures exposes corruption and scandal and makes us aware of problems and holds power to account in a democratic society is a good thing the problem is we've got too much of it um, and so but but one thing that I just need to say as well is that Advocating for increased coverage of solutions journalism in the mainstream media is not to be confused with advocating for the eradication of problems-focused journalism. We're talking about having a balance, and one is in an abundant oversupply, and one is in a very starved um, state of underreporting. 
And so it's about actually increasing solutions journalism only to the point that it naturally exists in the world so that we can have a better balance and a more accurate picture of what's actually going on in the world. But of course, the conversation doesn't quite stop here, does it? We will continue to discuss solutions journalism, at least for the time being, at our next Newswide conference coming up on March the 6th at Reuters in London. Here, we'll be looking into which news organisations are shifting solutions journalism from a concept to a viable, profitable part of their revenue model. Speakers soon to be announced. You can, of course, head over to newswide.com to grab yourself a ticket with many other great panels to be heard on the day. And there's also a News & Wire Plus deal worth your time, which will give you an extra day of training the day before. However, that brings us to the end of this week's podcast on journalism.co.uk. First of all, let me thank Jodie Jackson for her time and insights. But of course, thanks to you all at home or on the commute, wherever you are, for tuning in. Last, but of course not least, don't forget to stay in touch with us on Twitter at Journalism News if you fancy being featured on our podcast. Until next time.